Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is the founder of Strong Skills. He is the author of the book, Shift Your Mind. He's also the host of the Intentional Performers Podcast. He's a speaker and mental performance coach. His work has led him to work with CEOs, athletes, and teams in the NBA, NHL, and the MLS. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Mr. Brian Levinson. I'm good, Tyler. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, excited to have you on. I see it, the book right behind your shoulder, Shift Your Mind. Any title like that always gets me kind of jazzed up um, when it comes to mindset. One thing I always tell student athletes a lot is, you know, your mindset's going to lead to your skill set. A bad mindset's probably not going to lead to a good skill set. One, is that true in shifting our mind? And then two, how do we, how do we build strong skills if I'm wrong? <laughs> Is it true? And are you wrong? So let's, let's start there. <laughs> I think it's somewhat true. Yeah. Um, like exclusive. I, yeah. I, I think our mindset, it, it does provide the best opportunity for us to unlock our potential. So when I think of skill set, I do sort of believe we are born with certain gifts. We both have children. Um, I don't know about your two kids, but my two kids are very, very different from a personality standpoint. Um, so I, I believe in, in nurturing nature. I think we all have an obligation or responsibility to, to nurture our nature individually and then the people that are around us. So I don't believe that everyone can be whatever they want to be in this world. Um, I, 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 maybe I'm overly cynical, um, but I do believe I, I named my company Strong Skills because I do think that it's up to us to to make ourselves stronger by cultivating skills that are inner skills that can help us be at our best. So I, I do think skills can be developed. Um, I think the depth at which they can get to, maybe there's some limitations, sure. um, but I absolutely think our mind impacts, impacts our skill set. Yeah, for, for those that maybe haven't got to look into the book yet, and can you share kind of the brief overview? You kind of talked about the inside out, um, but kind of the overview of the model that, that you talk about. Yeah, so the book is called Shift Your Mind, and it's all about that the way you set your mind for preparation is different than how you set your mind in performance. And so we often tell people that, hey, stay humble, or we often say, play with confidence, or we often say, be selfless, be a good teammate. And... What I've found, and I spent over four years working on the book, and I don't know how many years thinking about this stuff, yeah. um, but I sort of found a pattern and a framework that, no, our mindset for preparation is different than our mindset for performance. So I talk about being humble in preparation and arrogant in performance. I know arrogant gets people <laughs> up in arms. It's like a trigger word, but I'm happy to go into why I chose that word. Um, yeah. But we should think of preparation as work performance is play, be perfectionistic in preparation, then be adaptable in performance, analysis and in preparation, instinct to performance. So there's nine of these shifts, so to speak. And for me, I find that 
when we are in preparation mode, but we're using our performance mind, that often creates a problem for us. And when we're in performance and we're in our preparation mind, that often, often can lead to some friction as well. It's, it's Becca, let's talk about the arrogance. Cause I think I played college football and I think when I played defense, I think I wasn't the biggest dude out there. I had to be a little towards that direction. I don't think that was like the, the you know, but can you explain the, your choice there and, and why that is a good thing? What position did you play Tyler? Free safety. And so when you're playing free safety and you're going up against guys who probably can run a lot faster, might be longer than you, um, you know, jump higher than you. Why did you believe you could compete with them? I mean, there's find other advantages, you know, in your preparation and your film work and your study and your alignment and how you work with your, your other defensive backs um, and how you, how you play, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a good guess. And uh, so what I hear in that is humility. Hey, I need to go back and find ways because I'm not maybe the fastest or the tallest or the strongest um, guy. So I need to be really humble. I need to put my work in, watch film, break it down, uh, having or showing a modest of, of low estimate of how good you are, how important you are. So that humility and preparation to me is what earns you the right to have arrogance in performance. I want to be really clear about this. If you're arrogant all the time, first of all, you're going to be a jerk. And second of all, you're not going to give yourself the best chance of fulfilling your potential because you're not going to go back to the humility. You need to grow and have the curiosity to learn. So we need a foundation of the humble preparation. A sport like football where you practice six days a week for one day to perform, whether it's high school, college, or professional, you're spending a lot of time in humility. You're spending a lot of time trying to get better putting your head down, learning, growing, developing, you know, working on your body, nutrition, all that stuff. But when it's game day and the lights are on and maybe you've got two hours or you have three hours to compete, when you're between those lines, you need to have or reveal an exaggerated sense of your own importance or your own abilities. And whether that's Tom Brady or Richard Sherman or, um, you know, I'm in Washington, so Chase Young or whoever the person might be, Terry sure. McLaurin, like the world often says that those guys aren't good enough. The world will often say, Tyler, you're not good enough to play at this level. So for me, when you step between the lines, if you have that noise in your head, you've already lost. No but doubt. if you come out there and say, hey, I worked my tail off. I've earned the right that I am important, that I do have this exaggerated ability I think of like Stephen Curry, who's this beautiful mix of humble preparation and arrogant performance. The world said that he wasn't good enough at every stage in his career, but that dude gets on the floor with his mouthpiece chewing and, and he pulls up from 50 feet and he thinks the ball's going in to me. That's an exaggerated belief because he's earned it with this humble preparation. So what I find is people actually go towards humility when they're performing and that causes issues for them. So I didn't, even want to go with confidence because I think you need confidence to actually be humble. I think you need confidence to actually be arrogant, but I find a lot of people are afraid to go for it and put themselves out there and say, no, I'm the right person for the job. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make it work because it's a lot safer to say, no, 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 I'm not the right person. Let someone else do it. They're, they're faster than me. They're stronger. They're taller. And when we're between the lines, we just don't have that luxury. So I think those brief moments where you are performing, if you don't have that exaggerated belief in yourself, then, then someone else is going to run by you. I think there's, when you talk, I like how you, 
humility and, and the arrogance. How do you see vulnerability? I think there's also like, you have to be vulnerable. You have to earn that arrogance by being vulnerable as well. I think both require vulnerability. So sure. if I'm going to be humble, I'm going to open myself up and have emotional exposure as Brene Brown calls it. And so I'm going to have to be willing to take some tough feedback and deal with some frustration or some embarrassment or some shame. That's all in the humility piece, but it's also in the arrogant piece. Like for me to get on stage, if I'm a, you know, at a concert as a violinist and believe that like, I'm going to make this crowd, give me a standing ovation. My daughter just had her um, dance recital. She's five. Like it requires vulnerability for them to get on stage and try no to doubt. nail their dance moves in a room full of adults. And so I think we do our people, our young people, our, our, our colleagues and coworkers a disservice by not suggesting that that vulnerability can actually be linked to the arrogance that they need to go for it and not worry about what everyone else is going to think about them. Yeah. And we're designed to care about what people think about us. It keeps us safe and secure. So yeah, I think vulnerability, that exposure piece is, is massive on, on both sides, preparation and performance. Back up to uh, how did you get into your, your line of work? What led you into leadership, coaching, mental performance, becoming an author and doing what you do today? I was lost, Tyler. Like I was, I was a lost puppy out of college. I studied sociology and African-American studies and I took classes that I was interested in, loved it, uh, graduated and said, who wants to hire me? And, and no one really raised their hand. No one was all that interested. I got rejected from a lot of jobs. Um, and so when that happened, I was able to go network and, and ask people what they did for a living and why they did it. And one of the people I met was Julie Ellion. And Julie works as a mental performance coach. Her bread and butter is golf. So publicly, Julie worked with Phil Mickelson. And um, Julie's also very private. So there's a lot of other professional athletes that she yeah. works with that nobody knows about. Um, but Julie had lunch with me at the Cheesecake Factory one day. We probably ate too much food. <laughs> and uh, and I, it was an awesome conversation. And I had that conversation right after I graduated. But at the time... I wanted to work uh, instead of go back to school. And so I worked in sales for about three years, but my conversation with Julie and the idea that I can combine sport, which I had always loved with psychology, yeah. which I love the idea of helping others, that combination of passions made me go back to grad school, study sports psychology. And, and today I, I spend a lot of time in the corporate world working with executives, but um, yeah, I owe a lot to Julie and I'm very lucky and privileged that she was a mentor and, and still is a mentor and helped me get going and wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for her. Well, I uh, love the story. Um, obviously, you, you learned some lessons from her in, in your journey. Is there a, a client or, or a team or, or a leader that you've been around that um, you learned a lesson from that sticks out? You know, it's interesting. I, I've worked with all kinds of corporate leaders. Um, on my podcast, I've had on amazing humans, leaders yeah. in our military and our government, uh, business, nonprofit. Uh, and I've been fortunate to work with pro sports teams and college sports teams. The first name that comes to mind is actually my parents. Um, they both, I think, are just really great and leading me and my brothers in our house. Um, but if I go beyond that, 
there was a college buddy that I had who I thought was an amazing leader and I'd watch him operate. And if I go beyond that, I actually think of a young man who I observed as a high school basketball player. And his name's Brandon Slater. And Brandon plays at Villanova now. Um, and when he was in high school, I'd watch this young man. He came in as a pretty big recruit in high school. As a freshman, was an impact player, sophomore, junior. But senior year, he got hurt. And this team was one of the best teams in the country. And I just watched how he stayed connected to his teammates, even through an injury. I watched how much he cared about the team. I watched how he made sure that he was authentically him and genuine. And I don't think it's a secret why he's been part of championship teams at Villanova. And I think he's going to return there for a fifth year. Um, And, you know, from looking at him from afar and their culture and their program, like Brandon will be successful at whatever he wants to do in this life. And I told his parents that when he graduated from high school, Um, but I'd bet on Brandon Slater because regardless of whether the skills are there, the athleticism or whatever it might be, watching the way he leads people is, it was always exceptional. And so, you know, our leaders born or made, I I mean, I think Brandon had some amazing traits uh, to begin with some amazing parents but then watching him go through adversity and, and learning from that and, and him learning how to handle that, uh, he's someone who I really admire. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, if I gave you a magic wand and you wave that magic wand and every coach wakes up with a leadership lesson, being a, a leadership skill tomorrow, what would the, every coach wake up with? When you say coach, are you thinking sports coaches? Yeah, coach, yeah, manager, CEO, leader. So what one skill do you wish upon them all? I know this is going to sound strange, but it's actually one of the shifts in my book, which is I would want them to be selfish so that they can be selfless. Mm. And what I mean by that is you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to put your oxygen mask on first before you put on someone else's. These are old uh, leadership 101 um, concepts. Um, and I just think the ones that are able to look inward first, do the work, make sure they're healthy, taking care of themselves. They're the ones that can pour in other people. And I think in sports, we see sometimes sports coaches that are not healthy and they take a year off or have to take two years off or whatever it might be, or they have unhealthy relationships with their family members. Um, and I just think if you want to lead others, like you got to make sure your front porch is in order. You got to make sure that you're, you're good. And so it's one of the things I work on with my clients is, all right, you're talking about everybody else. Let's talk about you. What do you need? And I think leaders are sometimes really good at focusing on everyone else. And they're not always great at looking inward at what they need to work on for themselves. And we've seen this John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, you know, some of the people that impacted our world in tremendous ways had issues um, at home or had Mm -hmm. other stuff going on. I think none of us are perfect. And I would hope that a leader can look inward first before they look outward. Love it. Love it. Um, Is there a lesson in leadership or or maybe coaching and managing people that uh, is a lot more prevalent or relevant today than it was 10 years ago? 
I want to say no. No. Okay. I, I, here's why. My, my initial a, gut, my initial gut tells me like we overvalue, overrate generations. Like for sure. the generation today always thinks the generation below them is lazy and they're yeah. screwed and yeah. they're going to make our world fall apart. And, and we always look at, we, like, I think many people look at the generation behind them as like, not as good as their generation. I think that's been going on forever. I've read a lot about it, but I will say that certainly there are things that change, right? Um, the telephone changed how we communicated. The internet changed, video games changed. Um, and certainly social media has changed how we navigate this world. Virtual reality in the future might certainly change. We're, we're recording this over, you know, video. I mean, right. there are changes that occur. So yes, we, we need to always be aware of how our world is changing. But the reason I want to know is just because like, I think we sometimes overdo it on how much our society has changed and, and people tend to look at the negative rather than the positives when really like our, our society tends to change for the better. Certainly there are issues with social media. Certainly there are issues with people having cell phones in the pocket and they're being addicted to them, including myself and, and how we use technology is so, so important. Um, but I think we've always had to learn how to adapt to technology. Yeah. And I think, you know, smoking cigarettes was a huge issue. We learned to deal with that. We do need to learn how to deal with, um, you know, cell phones and, and the addiction that we all sure. have to that technology. So I think that's real for all of us. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to be more optimistic about where we're going than, than where we've been. No, I, I like that. Cause I think when I grew up, uh, I remember adults told us that, you know, talking on the phone to our girlfriends or our friends was, was, you know, the kind of ruined teenagers. And then I always tell teenagers, and then it was AOL chat. Instant messenger. Yeah. Was levy 15 i was a disaster on there yeah and then i think i tell kids you know and i go if you did either one at your house no one else in your house could even talk on the phone and then they're like what like yeah like but you know those are the things i think generationally they're like oh this is you know the unraveling of you know behavior where i do agree with you that fundamentally as humans um we're behaviorally motivated a lot of the same just the external motivators have changed a lot faster and of course, in, let's just use sports, generalization versus specialization. I mentioned my yeah. kids, like you can see it now in a way that was different than when we were kids, but there were still, like, I remember dads pushing their kid to play baseball at a really young age and specializing yeah. them back then. I do think our systems, we need to look, we constantly need to look at our systems and, and what systems are in place to benefit us as a society and what systems are taking away. And so yeah, I think social media is, is having its day. Like we need to continue to challenge and ask questions about what's healthy and what's harmful. Um, kind of talk about, you know, the external environmental factors, technology, student athletes, young people, all of us probably uh, in, in a world that becomes very noisy. Uh, what's one way we can shift our mind to find calm? Hmm. I think it's different for different people. Sure. So I think some people it might be nature yeah. uh, and going for a walk without headphones in. I like doing that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, just taking them out and listening to the sounds. You know, I, we were stuck in traffic this morning. I was taking my son to school and, and my car, like the engine sort of shuts off when you're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was quiet. 
you could hear the birds chirping. And I said to my son, I'm like, gosh, do you, do you hear that, that silence? And so I could have had the radio on. My son loves sports. We could listen to Sports Talk Radio or a podcast. But that was a moment that was very present for me and him. Look, people meditate. I think that can be great. Exercise, fitness can be great for people. Um, but I think we all need to figure out when we need to be and when we need to focus on becoming. I know that's something that I'm constantly trying to, to think about. Is like, hey, when do I just need to be? Like, put the phone away and just be with my kids. And, and when do I need to listen to a podcast or watch a TED Talk or, or read a book? Um, and I think both are really needed to have uh, a meaningful life for myself, at least. Love it. Love it. Um, added a new segment to the podcast. It's called Rewind or Review This Tweet. So I looked at your Twitter, found <laughs> a tweet. You can follow Brian at Brian Levinson on Twitter. But last week you had a tweet that I really liked. I wanted you to explain it or share a little bit more about it. Enabling often creates entitlement. I thought that was so good. Why does enabling create entitlement? Gosh. I mean, I, unfortunately, I think of like addiction and like when we enable people and allow them to have bad behavior, it allows them to be entitled to acting badly. Um, but even with a kid, I'm a parent. So I think a lot of, a lot of things in, in, from a parent context, you know, whenever I enable my, my children to do certain actions or behavior, they then become entitled to that behavior. And so enabling is a word that I think we need to be aware of because I think it's usually what's underneath someone's entitlement. They've been enabled in some way to feel as though they can act the way that they're acting and they feel entitled to enact that way. So that was the meaning behind the tweet. I don't know how it was received or why you liked it. Yeah. Um, but that was sort of what was underneath it. And I think connecting those two is healthy because sure. we know that we don't want people to necessarily be entitled. Um, so what leads to the entitlement? Sometimes I have these ideas. That was just an idea. It's like, yeah, I think it's enabling. enabling. Yeah. But also I think it's interesting. I use Twitter as like a journal. And sure. so oftentimes there's things that are not fully formed and, and well Same thought here. out. Um, <laughs> but I like expressing it and then getting feedback from our world on maybe I'm wrong on how I'm thinking about this. Uh, I've never been a big journaler, so to speak. Uh, so I like using Twitter to try new ideas yeah. and concepts. So how did that land with you when, when you read that? I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. And I think I heard someone today once, like when you enable people, it removes their capability to build their ability right? Kind of undermines that. And then when they're entitled, they assume they have the abilities. And you know what's really and interesting? Think I'm thinking like, about the quote even more. Like, and then there's this other side of enabling. Like, how can I enable you to be self-sufficient? And I, so, I feel like that's like empower. I feel like that's empower, empower equip. Like, like, like I feel that you get like, you know, it, as a parent, I think it's very easy in a short time to make the kid happy and you enable a behavior to get short-term peace, moment of quiet, whatever it is. 
but we know that it's like if you empowered your kid, which is, I think uh, that's where I kind of think where it's development of, of skill, development of abilities if I'm empowering them. And so I think I, I liked it because it made me, it was very thought provoking, made me think, especially in the day and age when you hear people say everyone's entitled, everyone's entitled. It's like, well, how'd they become that way? Who we had to enable the behavior societally, individually, somehow. So I liked it. Uh, so that was the first review this tweet. So I appreciate you uh, diving into that one. Um, one last concept, one question we like to ask and we'll close with is uh, how do you define success? What is success? It's such a big question, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's so individualistic, I found, because I work with so many different people. And we're always trying to figure out for them what is it that they want and how can they feel fulfilled. And so to me, success is like, can I get the thing that I want while also feeling a great sense in in fulfillment? And so for me, like I believe in helping others hopefully see the possibility of their potential um, yeah. ultimately so that they can enjoy success. So for me, it's often helping others enjoy success. Um, but I, I also think su- success is about being courageously optimistic, being open-minded for truth, um, doing what I love when I want to do it, um, working with clients I love to work with, um, having empathetic curiosity, connection, energy, courageous creativity. Um, and then I think at the end of the day, like, being really genuinely me. Um, I think we're all, we all have different fingerprints and I've got mine and I know that some people aren't going to like it. Uh, and I'll listen. Um, but at the end of the day, like I still want to just be the best version I can be. And so I think at the end of the day, like, can I be genuinely the best version of me? And when I'm not, can I grow and learn and get better? Like that's how I think about success. And then I think success can be monetary. I, I have numbers in mind that I want to be earning. Um, I care about making an impact in the world and people hopefully learning from my book. Um, so yeah, it was a long-winded answer to something that maybe should be uh, a little bit shorter. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.